just about doing better, the better for you, the better for your family, the better for your community, the better for the world. A couple of months ago, while on a road trip with my son, we listened to Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. We were fascinated as we listened to him tell his story. But what intrigued me the most was the plot twist that came when Matthew met Camilla Alves. I immediately wanted to know everything about this woman who turned the famous eternal bachelor into a family man. Well, today was my chance. Camilla Alves, now McConaughey, is on the podcast and she shares a bit about her happy marriage, but we mostly talk about how her life experiences prepared her for everything she's doing today. Camilla was born and raised in Brazil, emigrated to the U.S. at age 15, and waited tables and cleaned houses while learning to speak English. She then went on to be a successful model, designer, business owner, founder of the vibrant online community Women of Today, and co-founder with her husband of the Just Keep Living Foundation, a nonprofit that implements after-school fitness programs for inner city high schools. But her real pride and joy are her three beautiful children. Camilla is a joy and a delight, and you are going to love learning from her. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? We are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. Okay, so Camilla's book, Just Try One Bite, is all about doing better for our families by encouraging balanced eating. Well, did you know that at Chatbooks, we are also on a mission to help families do better? If you haven't experienced the power of printed photos in your home, can I encourage you to just try one book? <laughs> this is what you need to do. Download the Chatbooks app and start your own annual month books subscription. I promise you, when that first book arrives, your kids will love seeing their photos in a book and you are going to feel like Supermom. Use the code PODCAST20 to get 20% off your subscription and see for yourself. Hello, hello, Camilla. Thank you so much for being here on the Mom Force. Yes, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk. <laughs> me too. Last night, I have to tell you this, last night I was in bed with my husband and he was trying to get my attention, but I was immersed in reading the Meet Camilla section on your Women of Today website. You have a fascinating life and I was so impressed with your storytelling. No wonder you are a published author now. Did you always have a love for writing? Look, I have a love of expressing, right? This writing thing is new to me. You know, obviously I'm from Brazil, born and raised, and then I moved here at age 15. So English is still my second language. I write long, as you saw it on the, <laughs> on that page on Women of Today. I loved it. But I do love the idea of, you know, of expressing and allowing people to go in the journey with you. Yeah. Well, and I'm excited to talk more about your children's book, Just Try One Bite, which I'm sure grew out of a journey that you personally were on. But first... As I was reading your story, the story of a young girl moved from Brazil at the age of 15, as you said, not speaking any English, but coming to the U.S., working as a house cleaner for a living as you were chasing your dreams, then to go on to be a successful model, entrepreneur, a fashion designer, an author, mother of three beautiful children, married to one of the most famous men in Hollywood. I kept thinking about how rarely what we think our life is going to be, does it 
really turn out to be that, right? <laughs> Did you aspire to be all of these things as a young girl? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I must say that if you told me that, you know, when I was younger or my early 20s, that I'm going to write a kid's book, I'd be like, you ought to be <laughs> The last thing on your mind. So that part, no. But I, I must say that from a very young age, I wanted to be able to help people. I grew up with that mentality. That was really, you know, my mom and my dad really kind of installed that in us growing up from helping family members. You know, we were the household that family had problems with things. Like everybody came to our home and, you know, stayed with us, lived with us and that kind of stuff. So growing up, I always knew that I wanted to do things that would help people in different ways. And um, I always had that business spirit in me and scientific mind of inventing things or wanting to do things differently or wanting to create businesses. You know, I have like, I don't know, by the time I was 25, I had so many ideas of different businesses and things. I always joke that, you know, like I wanted to do coconut water like back then and I had no money. And I went to all the, my friends that had money at the time and I pitched them the idea. Me and my brother, we found the coconut farms in Brazil and all that stuff. And nobody was like, everybody's like, you're crazy. Nobody will ever drink coconut water in America. I'm like, no, they will. They just don't know yet. We just have to do it right. And, you know, and look where it is now, right? So like to answer your question, what, did I have a thought that I will be where I am now? No, because I've never had this thing of like, okay, I'm going to marry this kind of person or I'm going to live in this city or I'm going to do this way. But I did envision myself doing things that would help people. You know, I never put the pressure of it has to be this or it has to be that. Yeah. And I do must say this, I always envision myself living by water. Yeah. I live in Utah right now. I, I actually said I would never live anywhere that wasn't on the beach. And, you know, like many things in my life, <laughs> things haven't quite turned out the way that I thought. Look, I lived in New York City for many, many years doing modeling. And I said, I'm never leaving New York. I'm like, this is it for me. I'm never, because I lived in LA first and I moved to New York. And then I was like, I'm never going back to LA. I'm never leaving in LA ever again. And years later. Yeah. <laughs> well, it keeps life exciting, you know, all the new twists and turns. But often for me, when I find myself in a new situation that I hadn't planned on, I'm looking for a mentor or a role model, somebody to like see, okay, how, how did they navigate that? And for me, it was when I got married and I had my first baby, for some reason, I thought my husband was going to go to work and come home at 5 p.m. and we were going to have family dinner and enjoy our afternoons together. But that's not how it worked. He was working as a management consultant. He had very long hours. He traveled a lot. And my mom's incredible. She had 12 children, but my dad was an attorney. Their family life was very different from the life that I was building for myself. And, and I, I was looking for people to kind of see, how did you do this? How did you handle the, having a husband gone and traveling a lot? Especially, you know, that transition from single life to motherhood. There's just so many new things. For you, as you were finding yourself in these new phases of life, did you have a role model or mentor that helped you along the way? Maybe even specifically as you transitioned into motherhood? Yeah, so I've had many different role models for different circumstances in my life. And I do think that that's an important thing to bring it up because whether you're young or older, whether you're looking for, you know, your role model to be somebody younger than you or somebody older than you or somebody on the same page, I think that it's important to say that, you know, we go 
we go through so many changes and it's okay to have different role models as you go, you know, into different stages of different things. You know, my mom is definitely one, but we have had challenging times, but I have friends and usually they're older than me Mm -hmm. that have, you know, accomplished things in their lives in ways that I really respect and appreciate. And by, by, and when I say that, it's not necessarily what they accomplish money-wise or things that you can touch it with your hand, Yeah, but it's more how, how they run their household, how their kids turn out, how they're still able to work, but their kids are good. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I always go like, okay, you work. I have this one friend and she, I mean, she's amazing and she works a lot. She works with her husband and all this stuff, but her kids are so good. So I'm always like, okay, how do you do it? I'm like taking notes, always like, you know, okay, let me learn this. Let me learn that. Yeah, totally. I, I was the same looking for the families who, who seem like they've got it all together and the kids are, you know, following the program and doing all those things. I have to say being an older mom now, I have seven kids. My oldest is 26. My youngest is 14. How went into seven? How is that even? Like, it's a bit of my mom flowing through me, okay? Because I do have to ask you this. What? Because I have three, uh-huh. right? And I have so many friends that go, just go for the fourth, have another one. And they all say, you know, once you have three, like the fourth, the fifth, it's it's a breeze. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure I believe you <laughs> on this one. So what is your take on it? I, my first instinct is, is to say, you'll never regret having another baby. And it gets a little bit harder when they're little, but when they get to be teenagers and young adults, I mean, this is the phase that I'm in right now. And I will admit, I the thought crossed my mind a couple of weeks ago, what have I done? <laughs> like these big kids have such bigger problems and it is totally overwhelming. But when you see them bonded together, my kids were all together just for the couple of weeks um, last month and the relationships they have and the way they lean on each other and strengthen each other. I mean, that's what it's all about. As they get older, I'm on pre-teenage years and one, it's a teenager right now. The, the situations do get more complex and bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I feel like everybody talks about, okay, you know, baby, really hard work, physical. And then people talk about, oh, if you have a trouble teenager, you know, all this stuff. Didn't have many people talking to me about that middle stage of like, you don't have to have a trouble teenager to be really hard and really challenging. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, I need my glass of tequila. Let me sit down here for a moment. <laughs> yes. And, and a point that I just wanted to make is, and I'm learning is that you can do all the things, you know, in your family to, to produce the outcome that you want, but every child, they're free to make their own choices. And it's not ultimately a reflection of what you do or don't do. You can... Set yourself up for success, but then they ultimately get to decide that the path that go on it has nothing to do with you. Very true. You create the environment to where it can maybe affect them, right? On the, yeah. the decisions. But to your point, eventually they have their free will and mm-hmm. they are the ones that are going to make the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're parenting, we often think about how we were raised and, you know, the impact that our our parents have on us, it's hard to underestimate. And you, I know you started business with your mother. Yes. I also, I, I started my business with my husband. There, there is complexity in working together, you know, as family members. But what did you take from your relationship with your mother uh, and maybe even your Brazilian culture that has helped strengthen your family and impacted your motherhood? 
to your point, is always challenging to work with a family member. It's just it just is because there's so many layers that comes with and all of that, right? But I think that at the end of the day, that understanding that family is family, family is family, blood is blood, and in Brazil, that relationship it's so rooted in our culture, right? Like on your summers, you're traveling with your, you're going to your grandmother's house, you know, your vacations, you're going to see family. Like, you know, you don't go to a camp. Like the idea of going to a camp for me, I just now came around that idea because it's not in our culture. Like it (laughs) doesn't exist, you know? So I think that really the importance of, and I talk to the kids a lot about this, that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, they're brother and sister. Like we are our unit in our family. And anything that comes around, it's going to come, it's going to go, things are going to happen. But that unit, it's never going away, no matter what happens. No matter if you get mad at each other, no matter if you're not liking what that person is doing, it's not going away. We talk about being all in on each other in our family. I mean, that's that's everything. But now that I mentioned my kids are getting older, we're actually bringing new family members in. I have two children who are married. And that in-law dynamic is a whole new thing. And I am trying very carefully to be a very good mother-in-law, but I've seen the relationship you have with your mother-in-law. And it seems incredible. We have a community called The Mom Force on Facebook. And I mentioned that I was going to be chatting with you and asked, do you have any questions for Camilla? And this question was admitted. It says, It looks like you have a great relationship with not only your own mom, but Matthew's mom as well. At times, I struggle with the way my mother-in-law does things. How have you made it work over the years? Yes. So, look, in a weird way, I actually have a better relationship with Matthew's mom than my mom. Really? Yes. And I think it goes in terms of personality because I shouldn't say the culture of Brazil, but South Americans, we could be, you know, very guilt uh, driven with Mm -hmm. things, you know, raised Catholic, all that thing. And I think because I left home so early, I left home at 15 and I've been in so many different countries, lived in so many different countries. I just got exposed to so much early on in my life that I think that I've tried to break the chain out of that guilt thing. Mm-hmm. It's still there. It's still there. <laughs> but, you know, and and, um, and my mother-in-law doesn't have that. She doesn't hold on into things. Now, she's not easy. She's very, <laughs> very, very strong personality. And I think that for everybody that, you know, like, this question that you got, it seems like she's struggling with some things. I think the thing to understand is that it takes time. My relationship with my mother, just like any other relationship, my relationship with my mother-in-law was like, in the beginning, was really hard. Hmm. I mean, she has, we made this joke. I actually just told this the other day to some friends <laughs> with her on the table and she was trying to get away with it. I was like, no, 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 no. You're not getting away with this one. You did that. Take ownership of it, right? Because she used to, in the beginning, she used to mess with me so bad to the point where she would call me all of Matthew's ex-girlfriend's names. Oh boy. On purpose? On oh, Yes, on oh, purpose. <laughs> And then she'll be like, well, but you looked, you know, you look so much like Penelope. And I was like, 
no, we don't. The only thing we have in common is that we have dark hair. Like, no, we don't. And I don't look like Sandra Bullock. And I don't look like this person. And I don't look like Jennifer Lou. And I don't look like this, like, you know, like she's blonde. Like, what are you? I was like, no, take ownership. You used to mess with me like crazy. And she really did. And I had to have my rite of passage with her. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a thing that some relationships with in-laws have that, you know, it's almost like, I know with my mother-in-law, I had to go through my rite of passage of like, you know, of being strong enough where she knew she couldn't push me around. And when we had that from that day on, I remember our relationship changed and how she looked at me, it changed mm-hmm. and how our conversations went changed. Like it all changed. Now it's a constant work, right? So like we have days that it's easy breezing is fantastic. And then we have days that, you know, we rub each other off a little bit the wrong way, but the not holding the grudge. This is the biggest thing that I can say. If you're able to have your life and understand your mother-in-law's life or understand your daughter-in-law's life mm-hmm. and understand how they do things, And if you're able to add to it instead of trying to change, because I see that that's when conflict happens. Because you have somebody that's really experienced, they've done their life, has gone through, like you. I mean, gosh, you have seven seven kids. It's got to be terrifying for anybody coming into your life to that it's going to have kids soon or whatever it is, you know, and have you like with all this experience at the same time that they're trying to figure out how to do their own, their own way. Right. So I think that really like understanding where each other is and going, how can I make it better? How can I add to it instead of going, you're not doing right. Let me, you know, you got to pick your battles. So like I have certain battles with my mother-in-law that I've tried to explain to her. And I've tried to tell her, hey, this is important for me. And it it really bugs me when you do that. that. And some of them, she gets it and she understands and she goes. And some of them, literally five minutes after we talk, she's doing it. Yeah. And I had to learn to go, you know what? You're not going to win all the time. It's a balance. Let it go. Let this one go. You got the other one, you know? So I think it's creating a balance and know that it's really, really important to meet people where they are and how can I add versus what can I fix? Yeah. It's it's okay to agree to disagree. And for me, it's just assuming good intent. Like that's the way it's worked with my mother-in-law. But I totally hadn't thought about the point that you brought up that, you know, the daughter-in-laws that are joining our family they might be a little intimidated by my experience and I need to be sensitive to that too and and assume the best from them. And it's okay that expectations aren't always reality and we just love each other. You're there to support. You're not there to tell them what to do or how to change things. It's just, hey, I have experience, but my time was different than yours, but some stuff kind of still the same. Yeah. So, you know, if you ever want to, you know, talk about it or chat, you know, get experience on that, here to help, but also wanting to learn the new ways, right? Right, exactly. One of the things that I talk about at this phase of parenting older kids is it's the consultant parent. That's the role that we're in now. We we can ask, you know, would, would you like my advice on this? But 
as a mother-in-law, I'm never going to say, hey, you should do it this way because, you know, there's a million ways to do things. There's no one right way to be a parent. I really, truly believe that. A lot of the things that you shared about how you strengthen your relationship with your mother-in-law, I think it'd be applied to marriage too, because it that can be tricky, right? Like marriage takes work. And this was a hot topic in our mom force community recently. What is the secret sauce or the secret to your marriage? You know what? I, I It's a funny question, right? Because I feel like so many people have so many different answers to that. But I think that the fundamental thing that boils down to, it's really having respect for your partner and keeping that curiosity alive. Keeping that, you know, people say, keep the fire alive. Keeping that curiosity alive of how the, both of you can still evolve and yes. love each other in that evolution. Because I think if you if you go with love in terms of an adventure of, you know, then then it makes the harder times a bit easier. I do think that it's extremely important to get both sides comfortable with what they are uncomfortable about each other. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. For instance, I need to talk. Like if I have something in my mind that is bugging me, I need to get it out, you know? And, you know, my husband is not, you know, he's like, oh, do we really need to talk about it? I'm like, yes, we do. Because if I do, if, if we take this time and we talk about it, and I know that you're going to be drained out after, but I know you can get out of that state of mind afterwards, but it's going to help us get to the next stage much easier, much faster. So like it took us a while, but now like I'm more comfortable of going, okay, I need to talk. We need to, you know, to where now is not a heavy thing. We can mm-hmm. go through things like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's evolve. Okay, great. Okay, next, right? Kind of thing. Right. So whatever it is, the things that make you uncomfortable about your partner, I think it's important to get to the point where it makes it comfortable to where it's not a, as big of a deal as it needs to be. Right. And it feels like a service. Like I'm sure those long conversations aren't his favorite, but because he loves you and he wants to serve you and meet you where you are, he's yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. And, and also like, you know, understanding where each other is, like it's two different individuals that trying to build a life together. And as years pass, as situations in life comes, you know, things change, the environment around changes, the situations changes. So taking little pauses individually to go, you know what, we're going through this. What does that change for my partner? How does that affect him or her, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm guilty of a lot sometimes just not even thinking about that, of just going, you know, it's hard for me. So what do we, you know, what do I need? What I need to change? What I need to do, whatever it is. And not pausing and going, man, if it's hard for me, then it's got to be hard for the yeah. on my side too. I love how you said it's about curiosity because I think so many times, especially, you know, as busy working mothers, we have so many things going on and we're like in our own head with our own to-do list. And especially if you've been in a relationship for a long time, you're like, I got him figured out. I know everything about him. I know what he's thinking, <laughs> right? So if we t- turn off that curiosity, we're going to stop wondering like, how is this impacting him? How is he feeling? Like what new and exciting things going on in his brain? Because they're involving just as we are. 
Exactly, exactly. And it's to a default when you are in long relationships that sometimes you don't have those conversations yeah. anymore. And then all of a sudden the conversations become just the daily routine. Yeah. And you're not having those interesting conversations. I mean, I'm guilty of going, man, I'm so boring right now. Like I need to <laughs> figure out some cool conversations to have it, with my husband. It happens to the best of us, yes. So it's like I think curiosity is a good, it's a good thing. And doing things that take you guys a little bit outside of the the everyday that keeps going, new experiences are always really cool for that too. Yeah, that's true. All right, Camilla, I want to talk about your book. The right. idea that, yes, just try one bite. The idea that sparked this book, because I have to say, I never in a million years thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, just like you didn't think you were going to be the author of a children's book. But we built our business chat books out of a need that I had because I had seven kids. I was a diehard scrapbooker with my oldest kids. And then baby number seven, no scrapbooks, no photo books, no printed photos. I had to create a solution, build yeah. a company to solve a problem I had. So I'm wondering, is there a really good story behind this book? Like, was there a particular showdown at the McConaughey dinner table that sparked <laughs> this book? Look, I'm going to tell you that it has been multiple showdowns around. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so relieved. I did not able. But, you know, truth be told, the idea, you know, behind this book really came about, you know, I was sitting down talking to somebody about how important it is to continue to have this conversation of doing better for ourselves, mm -hmm. doing better for our families, but without being preachy, without telling people what to do. You know, I was part of this business, Yummy Spoonfuls, which was, you know, frozen baby and kids food. And I've learned so much in that journey. And I'm like, how can I continue? Once I stepped out of the company, I was like, how can I continue that conversation that is so important without telling people what to do. Because you can start companies, you can have great products, you can have all of that. But if people are not going to the stores and grabbing those products, or if people are not having the conversations at home, it's not going to really change much. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? A kid's book, it's a fun way to have that conversation without the pressure. And I want it to be funny. I want it to be engaging. I wanted to give the kids the power. So we went into a reverse roles. So this book is like, you know, the biggest joy of this book is that it's reverse roles. You know, most times it's the parents telling the kid, just try one bite. Come on. I've done that thousands of times with my kids. <laughs> but in this book is actually the kids getting after their parents in a fun. It's almost like a little rap when, as you read it. It uh -huh. all rhymes. So really the relationship with food should really start early on in life with your kids. Because if you do that, most likely you are setting up your child to have a lifelong of good habits. So have you personally always been passionate about healthy eating and clean eating? I know on your Women of Today website, everything looks healthy and organic and beautiful. Kids don't care about that, right? Maybe babies, you know, toddlers are more likely to eat healthy and then you, they turn two and they're like, nope, I want nuggets and toast and mac and cheese. Well, let me tell you this. Kids don't care about that if they don't know. Okay. So like with my kids, I started having this conversation with them very early on. And right now, like my daughter's 12, just two days ago, I came down because now they, they make the breakfast throughout the week. I do it on the weekend. So I came down and she was making pancakes and Matthew was actually like, hey, you know what? Like 
I was here with her and it was a great moment that she was questioning if this pancake mix was actually okay mm. to use, if it was something good for her or not, and looking at the ingredients and all that, but in a healthy, easy way, her having the ownership of actually caring for that. And I think that a lot of times we forget to give our kids the ownership. We just tell them, hey, do this because of that. I'm guilty, I've done that too. But at least for my kids, I've seen that when they have their ownership and they when they have the knowledge, then they do care. So the reality is I come from a family of farmers. So the understanding of, you know, my dad is farming to today. We have a farm together in Brazil. So the, re, the understanding of where food comes from, how it grows, how it works, the process of getting, you know, from seed to your table has always been extremely strong with me growing up. But the relationship was better for you we didn't really have that conversation. So like, for instance, sugar, for me growing up, I could have as much sugar as I wanted. It wasn't a conversation. Hence, what do I still struggle with as an adult? Sugar. That's like my biggest struggle with food. See, I always thought that if you told your child, no sugar, this is a sugar-free house, then your kids become sugar monsters because they're desperate to get it outside of your home. Yes, but this is the same thing that we're talking on the book. We're not telling you you can't have ice cream. We're just mm. telling you not, just not every day. Have a great meal and then have your donut house if you need, but it's <laughs> a moderation. It's not about being perfect, right? Yeah. But if you understand, like even like my little one now, because we've had these conversations enough times and it takes multiple conversations, but you know, right now he will go to a bakery where in the past he will go, can I please have, you know, the whole counter? Now he goes, no, I want this and the cookie and I'm good. This is enough. That's enough sweets for me, enough sugars for me. And he, he still has his cookie. He still has his yeah. brownie. Just not the whole thing, which for me, I have the hardest time. If you put me in front of this Brazilian dessert brigadeiro, I'll eat the whole plate and want to sit down, <laughs> you know? You and me, I we're, we're the same there. <laughs> not good. Well, is there something that, your kids just refuse to eat? Like something that's healthy that probably should be part of their diets that you've just accepted, okay, they don't eat such and such. Is there something like that for them? And is there something like that for you? Yes. Look, you have seven kids. You know that they (laughs) all go to different stages at different times. I have stages that I go, yes, pat in the back. Okay, you did it. They're eating healthy. They're good. And right when I get into that space, boom, they hit, you know, one of them gets into a stage that I'm like, okay, here we go again. So like my daughter's in a really picky stage right now. We were talking over dinner last night and she's like, yeah, I've always been like that. And we're like, no, you haven't. You're you're going through a stage. We're going to respect that. Your brother went through it. So we're going to respect and and keep going. But what we did was, and my mother-in-law used to do this. So we have adopted in our household, which they all get to have a throw up vegetable. Okay. (laughs) That means if they eat it, they'll barf. So don't make them eat it. Exactly. So like, okay. hey, this is your throw up vegetable. You don't have to have it. So anytime we cook it, you you don't have it to have in your plate. But besides that, anything that's in your plate, you mm-hmm. have to at least try a little bit of it. You have to have at least just try one bite of it, right? So that's been working out well right now for us. I don't know how long it'll last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's been working out well, but I am, I got to tell you this, that, you know, my daughter has chosen a spinach. Mm-hmm. And the other day I was cooking pasta and I was like, you know what, let me just give it a 
try on this. And I like did a really fine chop and I just lightly cook it. I barely cooked it in the pasta with tomatoes and stuff like that. Before I serve it, I was like, you know, it's not too good. It's not really good. You know, I, I don't think you guys going to like it, but you know what? This is what I cook. You just guys just have to, you're going to have to eat it. Okay. Like just have, have some, have some of it. Okay. You don't mm-hmm. have to eat the whole thing. Have some. So I kind of present it like that. And then they sat on the table. She started and she's like, I love this. This is so good. What do you mean it's not good? This is so good. And I was like, well, it's got spinach on. I didn't think you're going to like it. So we had that conversation of, well, it's not that you don't like spinach. It's that you don't like when spinach is cooked this way right, or that way. So we, you know, play the little games like that. For me, I don't like anything fishy. I can't. Like salmon. I can't have salmon. I supposedly I cook a amazing salmon. I have never tasted it in my life. I have no idea what it tastes like. <laughs> and I never, I could never eat mushrooms. Oh, I have one of those kids in my house yeah, right now. I never eat mushrooms. But I had this meal made by this chef called Kristen Kish. And she made this bolognese. She just served this bolognese, whatever the name was. And I'm like, oh, meat all. So I'm like, I started eating. I'm like, this is really good. But I'm like, I'm not seeing the meat. Like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, it's all mushrooms. And I'm like, Kristen, I don't want to eat mushrooms. She's like, well, you just did and you love it. And I'm like, you're right. So it kind of like has opened up a little bit my palate. And again, gave inspiration to talk to my daughter. But it was not that I don't like mushrooms. Yeah. I don't like it when it's like this or like that. So I'm kind of opened up my horizons a little bit. Yeah, I have a son that feels that way about mushrooms. And if I chop them up really, really, really tiny in my little ninja chopper and put them in sauces, sometimes he doesn't know. But but I haven't got a salmon yet, guys. I've I've tried salmon. That's a, it's hard to sneak that in. Every time, every time I'm like, no, no, I can't do it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I've seen the recipes that you share on your Women of Today site. And it's hard to believe that you would ever make anything that someone wouldn't love. It all looks delicious. I want to talk a second about your Women of Today community. I heard you describe it as an online home for all women to visit, to lend support, to pick up some guidance, to be mentors, to laugh together, to know we are not alone in this journey, to share our stories, our learnings, and create a community in our sisterhood. And that was so beautiful, Camilla. You know, we we have this mom force community that the podcast grew out of as a safe space for for women to ask questions and feel that support because not everyone has a sister or a best friend or neighbors that they can lean on. Maybe one day we should do something together, the mom force and women of today. I absolutely love to. I saw that you partnered with Bethany Frankel and her Be Strong organization for International Women's Day. You were raising money to help relocate families in the Ukraine that are being affected by the war. And I actually donated. I thought that that was such a beautiful cause. You know, at this time where we are all looking for a way to help, um, there's so much need. I know that you have a foundation, you've got your community, you have got such a big heart, and you probably get asked a lot with all of the resources that you have and with your celebrity um, for help on lots of things. How do you decide where, where to put your time and effort? Like, how is it best spent? It's really hard, right? Are you asking in terms of the charity world or just in general? Overall? Just, I mean, primarily you, Camilla, because everyone wants a piece of you and you have this big heart and you do have the resources. Like, how do you decide what you and your family are going to focus on? 
it's really it's it's really challenging because you want to do so much and i've done to the point where it has burned me physically um mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally to where i have to i had to learn of like okay you can't do good for people if you're not good you have to be in a good place to be able to function properly to be able to have a bigger impact on in helping people and in a way we had to put some you know some things in place to help us you know navigate that so look number one in terms of charity we have our own organization we started to just keep living foundation Gosh, like Levi was Levi's 13 now. Um, we started right right before he was born. So we've been doing it for over 13 years now. And really a lot of our efforts and resources and time goes into that foundation because we really believe and seen it firsthand the impact that has created. So we're extremely passionate about that. Then after that, we start going, okay, I'm from Brazil. So let's do something in Brazil. Let's do in Africa. We have a passion for Africa. So we have, a, we have a program in Africa. People don't know this, but we have a program in Africa that we, we do it as well. And then I have Women of Today. Well, the core value that we have is to help each other. So we have to help. That's why like for International Women's Day, it was very important for me to go, well, we need to act on it. We, you know, we're not just a community of talking. Like we actually can do right. the impact. Whether the impact is small or big, we can impact and to a pot in a positive way. And I think that for me personally, I had to learn to prioritize, which I'm not too good at it. I'm still learning. <laughs> but you know, to have a priority of okay, my family's first, and what comes after that. And then once I have that priority list of what comes after that, I go, okay, what else do I have room to do? Because it's physically impossible to do it all. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just kind of picking priorities and understanding that sometimes your value is not just, okay, I, I, okay I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the person and I'm going to do this. I'm gonna do it. Sometimes your value is on a phone call and giving yeah. guidance. Sometimes your value is going, you know what? I really cannot do that. But I know somebody that really fits to what you're doing. Let me introduce you guys. Let me connect you guys. It's understanding how to give value to different things. It's okay to say no. It's okay to delegate or to hand off to somebody. But what I hear you saying and what I see you doing with your Women of Today community is recognizing like, mama's got to be strong. I got to be healthy to be able to take care of my family. I know family is so important to you. And taking care of yourself and Clearly, you're investing in other families, trying to strengthen families. That's what we're all about with with chapbooks. Like our mission is literally painted on the wall in our office to strengthen families. And that's everything that I try to do in my home, in my business. Yeah. And for me, it's just about doing better, right? Like with women of today, you know, our mission is do better for you. Do better for you. Do better for your family. Do better for your community. Do better for the world. Because I'm a big believer that if you make better for you choices, in many different areas and aspects of your life. And those are changes that you can consistently make and practice. Then those are the changes that are really going to affect your life journey on the long term. Yeah. Doing better and being consistent. You know, our business is all about helping families enjoy their photos. 
right? And you're a mom. You know, I bet your phone is full of a million photos of your kids and your family, right? That's what we do with this little miraculous piece of technology. We take all the photos, but I preach and teach, curate your camera roll, delete the junk you don't want, like actually print your photos. Like you're going to feel like you're killing it. You're going to feel like super mom. We're never going to be the perfect mother. There's no such thing as a perfect mom, but you can, you can feel better by doing little things and Chatbooks helps people handle that with their photos. Speaking of photos, do you personally have habits or systems that help you manage all the photos that are in your phone? I really don't. It's horrible. <laughs> okay. I was starting to, and I gave up once I had this phone. I always have problems with technology. My energy, it is a, it's, it's a real thing. And I know I'm going to sound very funny right now, but it's a real thing. Technology does not necessarily work with my energy. Like it's just, it's a joke with everybody that works with me and works with us on the tech stuff. They always mm-hmm. joke, like you should work for the government because it's literally oh, like I, things just stop working. They, it, it's crazy. It's pretty funny. Like I can walk into a room sometimes and stuff just stops working. But I I had this phone where I had amazing, amazing, amazing photos and memories and the phone just went black. Like couldn't turn on, couldn't recover anything. I was so upset when that happened. Please tell me you were backing them up at least. No, I wasn't. Oh. (laughs) No, I lost everything. I'm so sorry. I lost all of it. And I was so upset about it. And then I went, you know what? I had to learn to let go. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's, It's okay. So I've kind of, I've been having a different relationship with my photos and memories these days. Sometimes we learn to do better out of painful experiences. We're going to help you. We're going to hook you up with some chat books. We're going to help you take care of those photos and get them out of your phone. A lot of people share photos on social media. And I will say in the beginning of Instagram, where it felt like a very safe, closed community. I was sharing a lot of personal photos with friends and family, but Instagram's changed. I changed the way I use it. Also, the ages of my kids have changed, right? When they were little, they didn't care. I mean, they had no idea what was going on. And I would post photos, keep photos of them. Now they have very strong opinions. And I know you have teenagers, right? What are the ages of your kids? Well, so we have 9, 12, and 13. Okay. So you're just entering that phase. Do you have family rules about sharing personal things online or how do you handle that in your family? I mean, the kids, they don't have accounts. They're, they don't practice social media right now. So we're going to like try to hold up as, as much as we can. But the way that we're trying to do it, and look, it's no playbook on this, you know, every, again. <laughs> Making it up as we go along. It's all relative. But the way that we're trying to do is to, it's try to educate them. So when they do get into they can be well-educated instead of just throwing them in that sea of well, we know where they can turn into, right? Mm-hmm. We've had calls about security. We have calls about the danger that's out there and what can go wrong. We had calls of what's good about it. You know, we have, we show them stuff or what's, you know, because in the beginning, like I, one of my kids were very like, you know, no, this is horrible. I never want, well, like, well, yes, bad things happen in there and people do get lost in there. But actually some really good things can happen out of it. And let me show you some of those. And throughout the pandemic, we have become more active because then we're in the house. Like that was the first time throughout the pandemic that I think my kids have seen me turn a phone 
at me mm. to do a video because I never mm-hmm. did that around my kids. But now we're in the house. They're not going to school, right? They're, we're like in the same space constantly. And we had to work. You know, usually when I do the, the recipes and all of that for women of today, we have a crew that comes in. We do, you know, a few days of shooting and we are, you know, we have a crew come in and they're doing it. I'm not recording myself. And with the everything that happened with, you know, staying at home, I had to do that. Matthew had to do that. And I think what we did, our choice was to involve them instead of going, you know, no, this is bad. And then we got them involved to where like they started being the cameraman and the camera girl, you know, girl mm-hmm. behind the camera, recording it, editing, helping set up the set for different things. So we got them involved. That's awesome. I love that. One of the things that we talk about a lot at Chatbooks is the importance of seeing the magic every day because sometimes we are so busy checking things off our to-do list and being productive that we miss little moments of magic that are happening right under our noses. And for me, snapping a photo of those moments helps me appreciate them and hold on to them. Is there a practice that you have that helps you see those everyday magical moments? And is there a moment in particular that stands out to you? I do. You know, like we, you know, my mother-in-law calls seeing the the ro- the roses in the vases instead of the dust on the table. And we try to practice that a lot with mm. the kids and in our everyday. For me, I'm blessed to be in a in a place that that I can see the sunset. So for me, you know, and usually me and my mother-in-law we do the sunsets, you know, together. That's like that break of like just a quick check-in of like how did the day go? Like what what happened today that was magical. Because every day has different ones. When I'm having a hard time myself, it gets harder to see those magical moments. Mm-hmm. But if I'm good, I try to cherish like everything and anything. You know, we've been practicing a lot of the kids. They, they make breakfast, as I mentioned before. So mm-hmm. like coming down in the morning that they're like cooking and doing things in the kitchen. I think that to me, it's been my magical moment that it's like a daily thing that happens. Yeah. It's coming in and going, okay. And they're usually, you know, talking to each other and going through having their own little, little thing yeah. going. And then they pause where they're doing to come and give me a hug. So those, Aww. those magical moments are, they just mean so much. Yeah. Well, I hope you've snapped photos of that so you can hold on to it forever and, and they will cherish that memory. Camilla, what is next for you? You got the book launch. Are you going to be writing another book? Look, What's that's a really good question. We talked about earlier about learning, you know, what you can and cannot do, right? And, and creating that balance. Right now, I am trying to create a bit more of a balance for myself. The kids are going to different stages of their lives and it's requiring more of me than I ever did before. I have to take time to focus on my health right now. I have to take time to focus on a lot of different things that I didn't have to in the past. It was a little bit of a bittersweet in the beginning of the year because we had all these projects, all these things, the things that we were getting into. And I had to make the calls of going, guys, not doing any of it. Uh, Right now, I'm going to focus on the book. Just try one bite. We're going to focus on women of today. And my family, and that's all that, and and the foundation, the Discipline Foundation, and everything else. We're gonna do it, but we're gonna do it with a light touch, you know, when I can, when it's okay for my health to do it, when it's okay for my family to do it. But we're not gonna be charging as strong as we've been trying to charge. 
Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and learning from you. And you also sent us a recipe that we're going to share on our chapbook's Instagram, strawberry hazelnut mint salad. I can't think of a better way to usher in spring. Thank you so much for being so generous. And where can people follow along with all the things that you're doing? Yes. Look, I have uh, my personal Instagram, Camilla McConaughey. Really, the, if you go and sign up for the la- newsletter on Women of Today website, that's where you get the inside scoop that people don't get to see. Well, thank you for being part of the Mom Force, Camilla. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Really, truly enjoyed it. Thanks for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group. And check out the show notes for a special Chatbooks discount code. Until next time.